Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Season 2, episode 37 starts right now. Welcome to the program. I am Brandon Davis. I'm your host, joined today by Jamie Jurek. Good morning. We got Jenna Anderson. Hello, everybody. Happy She-Hulk Day. Happy She-Hulk Day. And welcome to the program, as always, Aaron Perrine. Has anybody ever noticed the last note of our uh, theme song sounds like someone opening up like a Sprite or a serum? This <laughs> is very refreshing. Welcome. What's up, guys? It, yes, right. Sierra Mist, if you're watching, please sponsor our show. Please send it on uh, down to Brandon. We got we got a big show today. We always have a big show. I'm never going to say we have a small show. Even though we, do it, <laughs> we, had, we don't have one today. It's a huge show. Uh, we are going to talk about some MCU news. We got an MCU theory and then we got she I have a problem with the Disney Plus shows and I'm going to talk about it in the second half of the show. So you can. Uh, you can take that as you will. That's a nice little tease for later in the show. I got a problem. I'm going to talk about it. Uh, and also, I want to just say, if you drop us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, if they allow five-star reviews, give us a top Uber rating. And we will, if you, if you put a question in there with it, we will read your question on next week's show. So drop a question with a five-star review. We ain't reading your four-star reviews now. One of your five-star reviews. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to, we'll try to play around with some of the questions that you might have for us, uh, in terms of the Marvel cinematic universe, but we got, we have four big topics before we jump into She-Hulk episode six spoilers and, uh, and, and a, a trend I want to talk about in Disney plus shows that I'm not loving. So Aaron, you want to kick us off with the MCU news? Sure. So, uh, big news yesterday, uh, Fantastic Four has its writers, uh, Marvel studios has tabbed, uh, Jeff Kaplan and Ian Springer with uh, bringing Marvel's first family to the big screen. Uh, people, of course, took the news with the kind of maturity and poise <laughs> that we expect out of the Marvel <laughs> fandom, right? Uh, their films include Disaster Wedding and Bert and Arnie's Guide to Friendship and not a whole lot else. So everybody's like, what's the deal with these people who have like four projects, two projects getting handed the keys to these giant, giant franchises? Um, and... Who knows? You never know. Like the Russo's, we always bring up, you know, they didn't really have that crazy of a track record either. And they're, they're delivering these bangers. So hopefully we can see, uh, hopefully they do a good job along with our friend, our friend, Matt Shackman, Matt, come back to the show anytime. We'll do it on a Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> what do you guys think of this, this news about the writers? 
I think people are like overreacting. This is pretty mm-hmm. common. Like you said, the Russos are a great example. Like, oh, some guys who helped write Community are going to take on this action movie. Just have faith. Uh, Feige has proved time and time again that he knows what he's doing. I mean, chill out. I'm, I'm so, I just want Fantastic Four to be over. I'm so sick of everything <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Exactly. I completely agree. I'm at the point where we've, we've, this is the umpteenth person to join the MCU who has a comedy background that people might not be intimately familiar with, who still proves to be great. And it's also like, we know that they are taking this movie super seriously. We know how prominently this is going to factor into Secret Wars and all of that sort of stuff, realistically. So it's like, these guys clearly had the best pitch. Otherwise, they would not be getting the job. So I don't care how long their IMDb is or isn't. I don't even have an IMDb page. I can't even talk. So it's this thing of like, I, I trust that they picked them for a good reason. I'm just going to play Mephisto's advocate uh, to the Russo brothers argument. Uh, Russo brothers had done Arrested Development and the best episode of Community. The paintball episodes were fantastic. So it yeah, wasn't like they were working on things that nobody had heard of. It's still a very different medium. Definitely different. The Russo brothers seemed a little bit, at least if you, if you looked up the Russo brothers back then, you probably were like, Oh, I know what that is. Not uh, Bert and Arnie's guide to friendship or the last of the great romantics where you're like, wait, what is, what is that? I watched the trailers for these. Uh, they're both. Uh, I watched the trailer for Burr and Arnie's guide to friendship and the last of the great romantics. Cause I haven't seen these movies. Uh, they both have a similar tone where it's kind of like raunchy, cheap, like men's humor type of stuff. And like these, like, like, I don't know, but Bert and Arnie's Guide to Friendship is like a movie where that dude Bert is kind of like an introverted, uh, introverted author. And Arnie is like this ladies man exec who just wants to like get with everyone and they end up having to become best friends and balance each other out. There's some raunchy humor in it. It looks like, you know, maybe something from 15 years ago. It was in the tone of what was popular in comedy then. So whatever, it was a kind of definitely, you could tell, like a, a lower budget comedy. And then the last of the great romantics, I actually forget what that one was about, but I watched the show for that too. But it was a similar tone of like raunchy humor, uh, you know, some clear drama, lower budget. Kumail Nanjiani was in one of them and uh, what seemed like a small role. So obviously these guys are not nobodies. They're just, it's stuff that we haven't heard of. And I do believe that, you know, their pitch must have been pretty damn, pretty damn good if they got hired to write what is seemingly the biggest, you know, new property for Marvel Studios, which is Fantastic Four ahead of Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do. I don't think we can really surmise what the quality or the tone of these films is going to be based on the trailers for the films that I watched. Then again, (laughs) don't always capture uh, the tone or, or story of the film. So I don't know, but the, the trailers just kind of like I, was like, I don't see, I can't tell from these trailers what is going to apply from these guys' skill set to Fantastic Four. But uh, there's, there's also. I'm ready for raunchy Fantastic Four. Raunchy Fantastic <laughs> no, Four. Please, <laughs> seriously. Reed and Sue need to have that energy, or I don't want it. <laughs> that's the other part of this that slid under the radar in the report is that they said that now they're shifting focus to casting, too. And I'm like, is this a smokescreen? I do not know what to make of. We're going to start casting the actual cast now after the 8 million rumors that have populated our internet for two years. I'm like, no, please. No, no, no. John Bernthal, no, 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 dot GIF. <laughs> I also want to know, like, what kind of who is the writer that would have been hired for this that people would have been like, oh, I mean, I'm sure they're out there. 
But I don't I don't have any in my head that I'm like, you know, that would have got me really excited. I, I feel like it would have had to have been someone who's already working for Marvel. Like it would have had to have been like Michael Waldron or Jeff mm. Loveness if he wasn't currently writing Kang Dynasty. Like it had to have been someone who it's like, oh, they already did a Marvel thing. So I at least can trust them because I have that in the back of my mind. If they came yeah. out here and said like the people writing Ted Lasso were on it, I might be like, all right, that's cool, though. <laughs> Jamie, Diablo Cody's Fantastic Four, Jamie. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Don't I threaten really me with a good time. <laughs> oh my gosh. The whole movie's just about uh, to. Surprise. Yes. yes. Um, so Aaron just picked call Kafagi right now. That's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody in the comments, go ahead, weigh in. What do you think of these guys? Uh, you know, Jeff Kaplan and uh wait, what was the other guy's name? Oh man, that's that's not a good sign. Uh, it's Ian Springer. <laughs> We're gonna know it soon. Hopefully, they're on this show in a couple of years. Let's, I mean, let's hope so. You know, I'm sure. I I don't really think we can take anything away from this yet. I don't think this tells us much about the film. No, I'm just playing Mephisto's advocate here, trying to trying to have trying to have a little debate on Phase Zero. Why not? Uh, <laughs> I still have faith in Fantastic Four, especially when like I, I'm more. You know, we Matt Shackman gave us WandaVision and some of the best episodes of Game of Thrones. Uh, and and we don't know who's in the movie yet, so I, I still this is this has not made me more excited or less excited at all. I'm just kind of like, well, I know who's writing it. Uh, we'll move it on. <laughs> yeah, Black Panther will come forever. Good. We got a theory. There was a little short video on the Phase Zero YouTube channel about this. Uh, so I did an interview with Winston Duke at D23, and in the interview, I asked what Winston Duke thinks of Wakanda opening its shield to the world and you know being on the radar, people knowing it's there. And he talked about how Wakanda's a bit more forward-facing, he's less insular, and he said he survived the snap. So somebody commented, I posted this on Instagram, somebody commented, uh, somebody from Pods Like Us uh, commented and said, whoa, he said survive the snap. I wonder if this is meaning like, you know, is he, are we exploring M'Baku having survived the snap? Is that the, what we're seeing? Or is this, you know, he survived the snap and this is after everybody, he survived both snaps and he came back. So I was like, all right, let me, let me make a theory out of this because that's what we do here. Uh, I know some people are just going to shoot this down right away. Some people are going to run with it and say, let's go with it. I'm going to run with it and say, let's go with it, at least for the sake of the show. So here's the full theory. Black Panther Wakanda Forever is set during the blip between Avengers Infinity War after Thanos snapped and Thor did not go for the head and before Hulk snaps and brings everybody back or maybe somewhat after. We don't know. And that is why T'Challa is dead in the movie. That is the reasoning they give us for T'Challa having died and Ramona saying things like my entire family is gone. The problem with the theory, here's actually a couple more things to add to it. We know Okoye survived. We know M'Baku survived. Uh, we know like a lot of people in Wakanda did survive the snap because we saw, you know, the aftermath of it, assuming we saw everybody disappear. I don't know. They could have kept disappearing when we were cut over to Titan in Infinity War. But then the problem with this theory is that according to marketing materials, Shuri was snapped because she's on the black and white Avenge the Fallen posters for Avengers Endgame. And also in Avengers HQ, Tony is looking at the, po the, the holograms of all the missing people, which included uh, this, I don't know, it's like this white kid, got brown eyes, brown hair. I can see his face. I don't know his name, though. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He's fr he was friends with Tony. What was the kid's name? I don't remember. Uh, but anyway, Scott Lang was there, too. Uh, and then uh, that other kid switches to Shuri in the movie. But the, th the argument I can make against that is that Scott Lang was not dead. Scott Lang was not snapped. He was just missing in the quantum realm. They just assumed him dead from the snap. That other kid, though, was killed. I saw him, didn't feel so good. So he was, in fact, disappeared by Thanos' snap. But Shuri, obviously, you know, we all, I mean, we don't really have much reason to believe Shuri wasn't snapped. 
They say Shuri's a big part of the film. Shuri's in the trailers. Hulk was in Wakanda, running through the running through the Wakandan woods in the Infinity War trailer. We've had fake footage before. I don't know. I'm just arguing for the sake of arguing for this theory. I kind of like it. I kind of, I don't know. I, I'm on both sides of it. I know it's, I, I'm always, I don't really, you know, I can't make up my mind on it. I like this idea of like, you know, it gives them an opportunity to address, you know, Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa in the future. Like if they do this story where we saw T'Challa get snapped, this is Wakanda during the aftermath of losing their Black Panther, thinking he's never coming back. And then I don't know how you address it later because we did see Chadwick Boseman in Avengers Endgame as T'Challa having returned. So it's not like, you know, this is some, you know, way out to then a later recast him. But it is, I don't know, it's an interesting theory. I want to hear everybody's thoughts on this. I think that the Sharia a, a part of it all is we never saw her get snapped. So I think like in yeah. any movie. So if they want to make her have, have survived the blip, I think that would be fine because we didn't see it. And I don't think a black and white poster is, <laughs> is needs to be canon. So uh, that's, that's my theory there. I, I actually like this theory because it does leave room. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people, feel like they they jumped the gun on some decisions i don't really have strong opinions about that um uh in terms of casting and recasting uh but um but i, I don't think it's a completely uh crazy theory jenna uh, aaron what do you guys think, I think i'll let aaron it, go first i yeah. think it lines up with some of the other like seeds from phase four because like isn't the whole point of falcon winter soldier that like the world got thrown into chaos by all these people being gone and then being back. And that means that Wakanda would be in like a weird position like everybody else. And there would be a reason for people to be scrambling for resources in this way to go get money to feed the, let's say a weird Island nation of underwater people with wings on their feet. Like it makes a little bit of sense. Um, and I, I don't know. I think one of the million dollar questions that surround this movie is how the heck do you explain T'Challa being gone? And then there are worse ways to explain it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anybody who's going to this movie thinking that they're just going to poochie him up out of there, you know, but it, it sounds like it how, could be plausible. Yeah. I don't know how they do it in a way like that. Like clearly the trailer show us T'Challa has died. I don't know how you do that in a way that, like in terms of the stories, like, you know, satisfying. I think we all just are going to be like, okay, we just kind of have to accept this. It is sad. This is not part of the plan in whatever way they do it. But I mean, I'm, I hope that I'm, I'm sure they found a tasteful way to do this. I can't imagine, you know, they're going to, I imagine they're going to honor Chadwick's legacy in one way or another, but I don't, I kind of like this theory, but then I'm also like, you know, this does give the opportunity. I, I recognize the importance of the T'Challa character not just in the MCU as like a character to drive our story that we want to follow, but like what that character means to so many people. So I don't know. I, I, like I see both sides of the argument, so I can't really tell. Like I, it would be weird to imagine a situation where like they want to show T'Challa reform from the snap and all of a sudden someone else is playing them. Like it's like, I don't know. I'd be kind of, that'd be a really weird moment. So I don't know. It's, it's I, I'm just going to trust them on their judgment and see what they do. But I do, I do enjoy this theory. I won't, I really won't be disappointed if this happens. I think it'd be kind of cool to see, like, oh, black, the Black Panther's gone. Namor's like, this is our shot. Let's go take it. Something like that. You know, they love. We didn't lose as many people as they did. Something like that. Or the people up there, it's their fault. You know, maybe we go go after them for for half of our people down here disappearing, uh, or something like that. It could be cool. It would also, I don't know, maybe Ironheart rises up because she lost people to the snap and she decides she wants to be a protector and that you know invigorates riri to, to make the suit I don't know, now i'm just going and also <laughs> in endgame there's already some sort of something in the atlantic ocean that okoge knows about 
because there was the earthquake under the ocean and she might have played it coy saying we handle it by not handling it because what she meant is we already handled that. So I don't know. I don't know. I kind of like it. I kind of like theory. I I agree with everything that all of y'all have said. For me, I think it is the thing of like the emotional catharsis that the audience is going to feel either way dealing with T'Challa and Chadwick's loss. I feel like it would almost slightly undercut it if it does end up being a thing of like, oh, well, this is just the loss during the blip. And then now we still have to deal with this later on. I I feel like, like you said, I think I just trust them to make the right decision, whatever that ends up being. It's going to hurt either way. And as much as I do really want more stories set during the blip, I feel like this story probably needs to be set after so it can kind of definitively turn the page with all of that but yeah i agree with everything that everyone's said so um in other news and other like lighter news from the week um it was announced that a new iron man game is in development with marvel games and ea's motive studio for people who are just listening in podcast form you missed bd like fist pumping the air he is so excited i'm also very excited this sounds awesome it is an all new single player action adventure iron man game i know the developers have teased like they're telling a story that they haven't really told with tony before in media it seems like and it sounds more like spider-man or guardians in terms of gameplay and execution as opposed to avengers which was much more multiplayer centric so bd what do you think because i'm i'm hyped for this i think it, there's a lot of potential for this to be really cool hype is an understatement from your boy right now i am so excited for this i i played the iron man vr which honestly wasn't that long it's honestly just my like four hours long or whatever it was i'm i'm completely guessing i don't remember how long it was but it was just long enough to keep me engaged with that. I remember the first time I flew using the VR on PlayStation, I was like blown away by that. Cause I was like, damn, this is cool. I'm Iron Man. But then I played Spider-Man and I was like, okay, this is really cool. Third person game where you're, you're swinging the New York city. It's like a Spider-Man fan's dream. If they actually can give us that with Iron Man, like a, like good physics, good graphics, like flying around is actually cool. Man, this is going to be cool. I I I hope it's good. I'm so curious who the villain's going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, is it going to be like an actual Mandarin who's one of the biggest foils to Iron Man in the comics? Is it going to be like AIM? Is Justin Hammer going to be a factor? Will Sam Rockwell play him and make Jamie happy in video game form? Uh, could we go back to the beginning with Obadiah Stane doing an Iron Monger story? Uh, I, I'm just excited for this. I'm buying it day one. I hope they send me a copy early. I'm going to review it and give it 100 stars out of 10. Uh, I can't wait for this game. I hope it doesn't suck, man. I just hope it's good. I hope it's good. Is it Zeke Stain? I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited. Give me Iron Man. Jamie is just like speechless right now. Jamie, I, I'm like in, in the immortal world words of Marvin from Pulp Fiction. I don't even have an opinion. Like I just don't play video games. <laughs> Like, I don't like I'm happy for all of you. Uh, I hope it's very fun. I, but I uh, it's not going to work on my PS2, so I will not be buying it. <laughs> wow. The money you've saved. Seriously. Wow. The money you have saved by not buying all the consoles. Aaron, are you a gamer? Uh, yeah, I, I dabble a bit. I mean, when I read this, I was like, I hope it's good. And then they said it was the same developers that did like uh, the Guardians game. And I was like, oh, OK. So I think we're in the clear because mm. they got a good track record. It's not going to be a live service. I'm not going to buy different freaking armors for four ninety five that plays slightly differently and then you can't tell who's flying what it's like. Is that <laughs> is that the stealth armor? Oh, it's Centurion. They're going to knock this guy out the sky. 
So uh, as long as it's good, I saw Phil in the comments like say that like, oh, the Iron Man Wii game. And I'm like, oh, boy, don't don't tell me about the forbidden knowledge from the past. Like I remember <laughs> being excited to play that and being like, oh, there were better ways to spend this forty nine ninety five at GameStop. <laughs> oh, God. GameStop, go ahead and uh, sponsor us, too, apparently. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. Did you ever play the Hulk game that followed like Ang Lee's Hulk? Yo, oh. that actually felt good. Like yeah. the jumping and the punching and like taking a car apart and using them as Hulk hands. Oh, it's good. It's good times. Thank you. Okay, good. I want to make sure that everybody here had taste. <laughs> we do. We do. That whole game was fun. That was like back when Madden was starting to pop off too. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. All right. What else we got today? Yeah. Ooh. Oh, well, I I know what we got. We got some rumors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, do, uh, gosh, goodness gracious. It looks like uh, there's some rumors about Shang-Chi, Spider-Man 4. A Reddit user claims verified sources have Shang-Chi on February 14th, 2025. I mean, I don't know how much we want to uh, uh, lean into that as a believable source, um, but I do like the idea of seeing Shang-Chi the day before my birthday and two days before Elizabeth Olsen's birthday. Um, you know, that would be fun. 2025, though, BD, that's a long time to wait for uh, for the, the sequel you've been waiting for for so long. Um, uh, but also, in addition to that, Sony... It's already been a year. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, Sony has moved a bunch of dates. Um, uh, <laughs> shocking. Uh, Craven is now coming in October of 2023. Madam Web is February 16th, uh, 2024. And then unnamed Sony's maybe Spider-Man movie on July 12th, 2024. Is it Spider-Man 4? I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's soon but for that, but I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really care about Craven or Madam Wen personally. So <laughs> these date changes mean nothing to me. Um, but uh, I am kind of bummed that Shang-Chi might be that far away. What do you guys think? I'll start with Shang-Chi. First of all, that is too far away. Second of all, if Destin Daniel Cretton is directing it, I saw like I saw Charles Murphy t- already address this from Murphy's Multiverse of the, when, he, when he saw this rumor. And he said, uh, like, Destin Daniel Cretton could do both the Shang-Chi sequel as a director and Avengers Kang Dynasty, which releases three months after that date. And I just like, sure, it's possible, but that's a lot. That's mm-hmm. hard. Like, we don't know how big of a movie Kang Dynasty is going to be yet. Like, we really don't know much about it. You know, is this going to be Endgame size, Infinity War size, or is it Avengers 1 size, or is it Age of Ultron size, kind of a medium? Uh, I don't know. So I just think that doing two movies like that in such quick succession, like, you'd have to start now, like yesterday in order to get two big Marvel movies done in time, the VFX that are going to go into it, especially if Shang-Chi 2 is going to do more dragon stuff. Uh, and if Kang Dynasty is going to be going into different time periods and, you know, a lot of, I don't know. I find that kind of hard to believe. And I really do want Destin to do the Shang-Chi sequel, but I also, I really want to spend time with characters like Shang-Chi and other characters that we've met in phase four again before they team up in an Avengers movie. I, so I, I don't know. I don't, uh, it's too far, man. <laughs> uh, Jenna, like 
do you think what do you think about it being like this far away i at this point I, I expected it if not even longer of a wait it's a bummer that we would have to wait that long because i agree with everything bd said i think like dustin directing the sequel would be great i also feel like if he doesn't end up directing it he will probably have a hand in choosing whoever does direct it so at least we could kind of know like it's in good hands um I, I also find the Sony moving dates very funny to me because I, I had thought kind of recently, I was like, oh yeah, Craven was supposed to come out in January of next year. And we've seen like absolutely nothing, <laughs> which is like not entirely off brand for Sony to like wait that long to drop a first look at the movie. But it was also this thing of like, there's no way that this would really realistically come out in January of next year. So those dates aren't surprised, like, aren't that surprising to me. I'm still just like the fact that we're in this Sony phase of Craven and Madam Web and El Muerto is still the weirdest thing <laughs> to me. Oh, maybe that's El Muerto. Maybe no, that's so it, it apparently is still January of 2024. It that's apparently, the one that didn't move. Yeah, that is the one that is like, Oh, it has big claim, apparently. <laughs> I don't oh. know how. Um, but yeah, I'm weirdly excited for Madam Web. I, I feel like it has the potential to be absolutely wild. So I, I hate that I now have to wait over a year to get to that. But everything else, I'm like, okay. I don't even think these movies are real. It's October 6, 2023 today. It's... It's 2029 tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> is Craven real? Is Madam Web real? They're a fever dream. Um, I, the the, the Spider-Man date, July 12th, 2024. If, if they're going to do a Spider-Man movie before these Avengers movies, that would have to be where it is, right? Mm -hmm. If we want to check in with Spider-Man. I, I feel like Spider-Man just showing up in an Avengers movie would be weird, but Spider-Man not showing up in an Avengers movie would be weirder. So I kind of thought, like July is where Homecoming came out. July is where Far From Home came out. If you're here in the U.S., Layla, I know you got it like a couple days early in June, whatever. Uh, and July is where Spider-Man 3 No Way Home, before it was called No Way Home, was supposed to release before the end of the world. And we were living in a panoramic. So I think that that could be Spider-Man 4, but it is kind of ambitious considering John Watts is out doing Skeleton Crew. Tom Holland is doing everything but acting right now. Good for him. I hope he's enjoying his time off. So I don't know, but, but I think that makes sense that date, but they'd have to get started. Yeah. Isn't there some it? sort of like business thing where Sony has to make a Spider-Man movie within a certain amount of years or the rights revert back. So I feel like the clock is ticking on that too. You got the Sonic the Hedgehog drowning music going <laughs> with that. Cause they're like, Oh God, we got to make another Spider-Man movie quick. Get one of them. Any mm -hmm. one of the three in a suit now. Like so, so you can keep the keep the rights going. So I feel like that's a lock. I would be sad if we didn't see Shang Chi, but I feel like we're gonna see him in something else before that. Like mm -hmm. he's got to pop up in something. Well, and like to BD's point, I didn't even really think about it. Of like, you can't not have the black suit moment from Secret Wars with with Tom Holland's Peter. Like, I feel like you have to get to that at some point. So I hope we at least get one more movie or at least another appearance in something before we get to that point in Secret Wars, because then that would actually make it kind of meaningful. Because nobody knows who this kid is anymore, so that would kind of underplay the entire moment too. So I know Spider Man. I'm just hoping one day to find out who who is Spider Man. But all right, I'm done. I'm done. The joke is dead. <laughs> I know. I'm single-handedly responsible for murdering the joke. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's that's really the big thing for me is I want to spend more time with these characters, and I also want to see some of these characters like get an idea of what their interactions will be like when they cross over. Things to anticipate. I just have trouble imagining something that's going to pay off as well as Tony and Steve. 
Like that was such a great dynamic. Thor with them, Natasha with that. Like, I don't know, Shang-Chi with Spider-Man would be awesome. I just want to get there some one way or another. And maybe that is in an Avengers movie. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, July 12th, 2024. Could it be Spider-Man? Hopefully. Maybe it's a Miles Morales movie. Who knows? All right. We're going to take a one minute break. During the break, I encourage everybody to drop a comment to tell us what movie you think Sony's going to drop on July 12th, 2024. And hit the thumbs up button. There's over 100 people watching on YouTube right now. Are you all subscribed and thumbs upping our video? If not, we love you anyway. But we'd love you more if you did. See you in a minute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Phase Zero, Season 2, Episode 37. We're already 37 weeks into 2022. What is going on? That means we're six episodes into She-Hulk. Episode 6 of She-Hulk dropped today on Disney+. Plus. We're going to talk all about it. We're going to go around the room with reactions. Aaron, you know the rules. You're at the top of the screen. I am. Um, unrelated wedding episode. Hooray. That sets up things. It's like, oh man, all my media consumption has trained me for exactly this moment. It was, it was very fun. Uh, like I know that there are certain sections of the fan base that are a little bit upset that a certain good lawyer has not shown up yet. But if you put that aside for just a second, you get a very nice legal drama slash slice of life comedy that actually moves her arc forward because this is a show about She-Hulk, not about Daredevil. God bless. Um, <laughs> I really, and also, I mean, just the hilarity of like, I don't know, like all of this stuff. You, There are so many moments in the show now where I'm like, where is stuff going to hit the fan? Did anybody else get any re weird panic when Nikki was going home and she was driving yes. that car? And yes. I was like, did you also check the back seat? Because her, because Jen's original best friend, like in the very start of her comic, like one of the inciting incidents of her being She-Hulk is her friend named Jill dying in a car accident. Oh, and God. it is like a huge thing. Like I literally, when I talked to Ginger at the premiere, I had mentioned like, are there any friends of Jen's you're inspired by? Because parts of the fandom were worried that she was going to say Jill because it's like, oh my God, that would mean she was going to die. So I, I was panicked the entire time she was in the car. Oh yeah. If they oh. touch Nikki, I, I will be mad. <laughs> yeah, same here. I literally, when that scene came on, when she was driving the car, I said, this car is going to get hit in the side. This is going to be a car accident mm -hmm. scene. Yeah. This is going to be a car accident scene. Uh, but it wasn't. Thank God. Alert. Jamie, what did you think of the episode? Oh, I loved it. If you are watching She-Hulk just to peak Daredevil, I feel bad for you because like we, it's not like you don't know he's not about to get 18 episodes of a show. Like I, it's just, I keep saying this, but I need to reiterate it again. I just love that this is a television show. It is not a Marvel event. It is not something that each week I'm 
clamoring for future uh, questions and answers. I just am enjoying this really fun sitcom that is going to be infinitely rewatchable. It's the first Marvel show I tweeted this. I want six seasons of this because it's a sitcom. That's what it is. And I love that. We haven't really had anything like this. And it's cool to see this within the scope of Marvel. And this particular episode, all the wedding bits were so funny. If you have ever been in a wedding, the the Uh line about the inconvenience was so (laughs) deeply true I cackled um, and, and I loved how terrible this wedding was from like the stupid <laughs> glitter box to uh, to the cash bar rude and uh, uh, Patty being the bride love Patty so it was just it was just fun and then we get a fun fight in there I just I, I loved all this I will say I'm ticked off that these last couple episodes haven't had post credit scenes they led me to believe each episode was going to have one and I think that that's uh, a little mean I also have a couple Love the Mr. Immortal stuff. It's hilarious. He has one husband. I think he should have had more husbands, but at least he had one husband. Um, but I do have a little nitpicky thing about that, but I'm going to put a pin in it. I'm going to put a little pin in my Mr. Immortal uh, thing that I have to say uh, and let Jenna speak. Awesome. Are we going to get a Jamie rant today? I know. No, no. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a mini rant. A teeny okay. rant. <laughs> I did go on a mini rant. I filmed my Easter egg video before we started recording. And I did say basically what Aaron and Jamie have said about Daredevil. We know this man is going to be in so many things. He There are like 18 episodes, three other appearances on top of that. Like you are getting so much Matt Murdock. Who cares if you're not getting it right away? Like Jamie said, the show is structured like a TV show in a way that like we have not had since WandaVision. And in a way that is so different within the MCU that I get that people immediately were like, oh my God, there's Daredevil. We're going to get more Daredevil. But it's like, it, you know, he's coming. It's going to be worth the wait. And this episode was so good. It might have been my favorite episode that we've had yet, just purely in the sense of how comedic and how specific to Jen and her personality it all was. I I just had a smile on my face the entire time. It was so incredible. And to echo what Jamie said, Patty Harrison is one of the most hilarious people ever. Go watch I Think You Should Leave on Netflix if you haven't already because her sketches in that are iconic. So as soon as I like heard the possibility of her being in this show, I like cheered and I was so happy that she was here because she did such a great job. I, I thought this episode was another fun episode. Like, I think She-Hulk continues to just be a fun show. Uh, I think uh, I, I really like the supporting characters. Like, I mean, I rewatched last week's episode this morning as well. Like, I think Pug is great. I think, you know, Nikki and Pugs to get that, that like kind of offshoot with them with uh, Luke was really funny. Uh, and I just think the show is it's fun. Like, it is just a fun show. It's a sitcom. I like Jen. I root for Jen. I'm so tired of seeing people treat Jen like shit. I want to jump <laughs> on the screen and turn into a Hulk myself and punch them all. Like, how do y'all not just just appreciate her? She's she's so sweet and fun. I want to hang out with her too. Uh, and like, you know, it, the, the CGI at times is so good, and at times is like okay. But I like that does that. I don't know. That just continues to be a talking point. So some I keep I, I'd be lying if I said I don't notice it. Sometimes it stands out to me as looking really good. And sometimes I'm just like, woof, they missed on this one. And I don't like, I don't know what happened, but it is what it is. I think also I, I, I talked about this in another video that's on the phase zero channel. I think some of it is the fact that she Hulk is not so different from a regular human that it is easier to nitpick because she just is like a bigger, but green person who still looks like themselves. Whereas like the Hulk is a monster. He's, he's, there's nothing about the Hulk that looks normal. He's not just like Dwayne Johnson turned green. Like he is just a monster. And so She-Hulk is just, she's 
not a monster in that in that way. This design of her, so I think that's one of the easiest ways. Anyway, I thought the episode was very good. I I, I thought it was funny. Like I I do have a problem with it, which I'm going to say for the end of it. Uh, it's not a problem with this episode. I have a problem with what I think the show is about to start doing, and I just hope it doesn't because I've seen the Disney Plus shows do this, and I just don't want it to happen. And the people already know. I'm probably if they follow me on Twitter, they know what I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to say that for the end. But overall, I still continue to think She-Hulk is super entertaining. I look forward to new episodes. I have not been disappointed yet once, except for the post-credit scenes, which have not been there after training us to think we're getting a little treat and we don't get the little treat at the end. Um, but yeah. Mr. Immortal's hilarious too, by the way. Yes. Uh, Jenna, <laughs> Jenna's, Jenna's full Easter egg breakdown video yeah. will be on the Phase Zero channel uh, later today. Yes. But this is your little preview of it, Professor Jenna. Uh, you want to profess to us? <laughs> yes, sure. Um, so Mr. Immortal uh, is a member of the Great Lakes Avengers, which is one of the kind of slightly unofficial Avengers offshoots that operates out of the Midwest. Um, he, as they showed in the episode, he has the ability to just constantly regenerate and reincarnate and never die, um, which he uses to very dark and various, very hilarious extents. Um, I, I love what they did with him this episode. I also love randomly, because I was taking notes on my phone and he mentions his first wife, who is Baroness Cromwell, who might be Baroness Blood, who's like a vampire from comics. So I was like, oh, cool. He just had like a vampire wife who like gave him a, a bunch of gold and like vampires might be real. And this might all tie to Blade. And, you know, it's all connected. <laughs> and Jamie just got super excited. Um, I I just love everything that they did with him. It was so much fun. Um do we want to talk about like other aspects of the episode it itself before we get into kind of the, the villain of it all? Cause I feel like that's a whole thing in and of itself. Yeah. I, I have a question for you actually that you might, I think you might be able to answer. This might just be like a little mm -hmm. whatever, just a detail that I'm nitpicking, but Jen gets punched by Titania and like Jen can get drunk, but she can't. So my question is like when Jen got absolutely rocked by Titania <laughs> and goes sliding across the sidewalk and stuff like, should Jen Walters have been like really hurt by that and scraped up by the sidewalk or does like being She-Hulk prevent her from that? I mean, I, they established in the premiere that like her blood has some sort of healing property to it, like especially like the Hulk form right, of it all. Right, right. Like it healed Bruce's arm and all that stuff. So I'm just going to see it as like a comic thing of like, we're just going to justify sure. this by saying that she just can physically do it. Because yeah, it's a thing of like when she gets injured in the comics, it something has to be serious. Because she also says like in, um, I mean, granted, it's when she's in She-Hulk form, but she says like nothing can really pierce her skin and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's just like an easy way to cut around it just for the sake of the sense. story okay that makes sense i i was just, I, I was curious like if i was nitpicking or if that was something mm -hmm. i overlooked or missed or just didn't know uh and either way i mean she was also drunk so like when you're drunk you can really take a punch i think versus like if you're sober you're probably gonna be like oh what the hell man i'm crying now um anyway yeah I, also just I, can we just talk really quickly before the villains how everyone in jen's life is seemingly a villain except for like nikki and pug like everybody's such a dick <laughs> everybody <laughs> what like everyone not Am shed I, yeah shed is shed just chaotic is good, neutral boy yeah shed is just <laughs> out for shed. himself he's the he's the best <laughs> bit of a mansplainer in his introduction yeah but other than that shed is uh shed just seems here for the vibe he's a living one of those air horns <laughs> like he is a living embodiment of those air yeah. horns for the wedding all right Anyway, I just had to touch on that. Like, Jen, yeah. if you need friends, like, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> we're here. Oh, also, uh, well, I want to do this in real time. I want to, mm -hmm. um, 
uh, hold on one second here. I'm sorry to delay the show. <laughs> I just have to pull up something so I could get the date right uh, and put somebody on the spot real quick. Um, Jenna. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Where is it? Oh, no. He's back into the mainframe. Um, Friday, October 14th, would you like to interview Tatiana Maslany about She-Hulk? Absolutely. <laughs> I finally get to talk to her. The last time I talked to her, they literally had in big letters, do not mention She-Hulk at all. So yeah, this, this time is, it's all yeah. about She-Hulk. Awesome. Uh, and it's, yes. it's after the finale, so you can talk about all of it. Awesome. Hair Very cool. Uh, my my anxiety just went on a roller coaster <laughs> as we were trying to figure it out. Yeah, that's like <laughs> bottomed out. Just the pit in my stomach. Just had so much fun just there. But yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's exciting. Awesome, cool. awesome. <laughs> All right. So Jenna by Tatiana coming to Phase Zero uh, after the finale. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel because there's going to be two best friends that we ever did see <laughs> right here on the channel. Um, All right, let's keep moving. The intelligentsia. Okay, so I know I mentioned these guys earlier in the season as like a possibility um, because we've been talking about leader and like who could potentially be in charge of Wrecking Crew and what the heck Todd's deal is because Todd still just has such weird energy. Um, and now we kind of have an idea of what that is. Um, the Intelligentsia kind of showed up in the fall of the Hulk storyline and they're basically the shorthand is like they're the evil version of the Illuminati. They're like the evil science version of the Illuminati of like here's MODOK and leader and like Egghead and Dr. Doom and all of just these weird nerds who just want to do science experiments to ruin the world, essentially. And they are responsible for like turning Betty into Red She-Hulk. They're kind of responsible for Amadeus Cho's origin story. So like they have ties to trying to kind of trying to create their own Hulk form. And it doesn't always necessarily pan out in the way that it did for Jen and Bruce. Um, so obviously the show is kind of taking a new interpretation with that because we learned that Intelligentsia is a very Reddit-esque website. <laughs> with some very shady things going on. Um, I love that interpretation. I think that is perfect. I, I am already like dreading the discourse of the people who don't get the joke and that the joke is being made at their expense. But this is just such a delightful way to like reinterpret the group that I'm so excited. Um, yeah. What do y'all think about that twist at the end of the episode? Who was running intelligence here, you think? Todd. I would be shocked if Todd is not the Hulk King, like that little username that popped up that was like talking to the scientist at the end of the episode, because he just he feels shady. And we've spent way too much time focusing on him for him to not somehow be on that message board. So is that scientist going to end up being the leader when we see his big old head in the final shot of this season, this season of She-Hulk? That would be really cool. I, I would not be surprised. All right, maybe, maybe, maybe Tim Blake Nelson makes an appearance. I'd be surprised though. That'd be a weird thing because they introduced Tim Blake Nelson as part of the Captain America New World Order cast. And that's the sort of thing they usually keep a secret, like if it's just about to debut on Disney Plus, but whatever. My only guess for why they would have done that is that their thought like people don't aren't going to remember who he is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we should remind them at D23, which yeah. is sad because Tim Blake Nelson <laughs> is a true treasure of a human being and actor uh, and should be memorable. But that's my only guess as to why they would do that if he's going to show up on She-Hulk. Remember, was it Comic-Con 2019 when they were like, oh, yeah, by the way, the villain of Ant-Man Quantumania is definitely Jonathan Majors as Kane the Conqueror. And then he strode up in Loki as we all were like, are they really going to have Kang pop up? And then he just came down that elevator. So I'm kind of expecting it at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Yeah. Okay. So this 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 leads me into the beef I have with the Marvel oh, Disney Plus shows, and I'm just listen. Uh, there's a, you could argue against this. I could even poke holes in this, but for the sake of how I'm feeling right now, I'm get, uh, and, and the argument, I'm taking a firm stance here. I'm getting tired of the Disney Plus shows teasing a villain that is mysterious and unknown and not revealing themselves until the end of the show, and I'm starting to feel like maybe. They're really writing these shows for the sake of the speculation online and hoping it drives a conversation for more people to come watch it and wait for a reveal at the end. It worked in WandaVision and it worked for me and Loki. A lot of people didn't like it. I loved Loki and I loved the He Who Remains reveal as Jonathan Majors came to conquer variant in Loki. Ralph Boner did not work in Loki. That was a mystery that we were waiting for payoff and did not get. We, you know, Agatha Harkness, I mean, Ralph Boner did not work in WandaVision. Agatha Harkness being responsible for it, like, yes, she was there the whole time. It was a good twist. I enjoyed in WandaVision. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I, did, I don't know if Falcon and Winter Soldier really did this. It did it with Sharon Carter, like being the power broker, and then ultimately didn't have her really be involved at all in it. And it also, you know, like John Walker kind of became the villain throughout. And that was fun. I enjoyed that. I liked seeing John Walker spiral throughout. And I thought that was a really interesting story thread throughout that show. What if did it with Infinity Ultron out of nowhere? Here's Infinity Ultron. Why? Okay, I don't know, whatever. Miss Marvel started as like a high school series in New Jersey. And I really enjoy where it went with the partition and stuff, but ultimately like going into the Nord dimension, going into this crazy save the world stakes kind of out of nowhere, kind of caught me off guard, but not as badly as like Moon Knight kind of did it with Amit. Not really as much that one. I'm giving it a pass, but Kingpin did not really need to have Hawkeye or uh, Kingpin did not really need to be in Hawkeye or be this mysterious villain that shows up at the end. As much as I love Kingpin, I felt like that kind of changed the, where the direction of that show was going right at the end. Uh, like, I just, I, I don't know. Overall, I feel like we keep getting these teases of something that is going to come at the end of the show instead of getting to see a villain kind of be a foil to the character throughout. Like, Titania has been a foil to She-Hulk, but it feels like that might have wrapped up here because we're about to get a tease of the leader actually pulling the strings of what is going on in She-Hulk's life when it isn't really the main storyline until the finale when we have to tune in next time to find out what happens. I just want good villains throughout the show that keep getting built and keep interacting with the heroes. And if it's not a villain, it's a costume. Something is always saved for the very end that just is like, see it more next time. And that's kind of, I, I don't, I've enjoyed the shows overall, but this is something I'm starting to get a little bit like, can we just do this throughout the whole show? <laughs> I have a, 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 a counter argument for, for you because you're not wrong. Everything you're saying is totally correct. But I think that uh, the main point is that like this is television and that's just like how that's how TV works. And like I think a lot of in the cases of shows where where they knew for a fact they're only getting one season. OK, I will not argue that. But that's most that's not most of these. I think that's WandaVision for sure. And everything else, it's will they get more? And that's kind of always how television has worked, especially season one. I mean, you know, my favorite television show of all time is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And that is very much Monster of the Week, uh, new villains each time. Uh, uh, and you're not getting much of the master until the end. And I don't know. I think I really think that the, that the it's because we are used to the Marvel movies, which are structurally just a different medium. But I do also understand your your grievance because it's 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 not just not something that we're used to and it doesn't always stick the landing with the way that they do it but i do think a lot of it has to be about is about season one tv i don't watch nearly as much tv as you do jamie to be honest i watch <laughs> mostly what i have to watch like a cover for work so that means i've watched like walking dead i'm watching house of the dragon right now i'm watching um i watch the boys 
And both House of the Dragon and The Boys are phenomenal shows. And both of them really put their villains at the front of the show. And so I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to argue this, argue your point, because I agree. I think a lot of this is TV. I, as a Lost fan, I know. You save the questions <laughs> and the payoff for the end of the season. You dive into it next season and you set up another one. These are all being billed as like, don't miss the six episode event. You know, they're being billed as like almost a movie as an event series. And they're not really telling us there's a season two. We didn't, the only one we know is getting season two is Loki and what if, but in the live action shows, we didn't know Loki was getting a season two until we finished the season finale. So I don't know, just like, I, I, I don't know. It's just something that isn't necessarily working for me. I'm still hugely entertained by the shows. Like every week I'm waking up and I'm watching She-Hulk and it's super entertaining, especially that's what She-Hulk above all these other shows seemingly is aiming to do is just entertain and make us laugh and make us spend time with the character. And I'm falling in love with Jen Walters and She-Hulk like in this character and I'm sympathizing with her, but the story of it, like, I'm kind of like, where are we going? Please don't derail this. This has been the character at the front. Don't suddenly introduce the leader and just kind of take a complete left turn from what we have done here only to follow up in Captain America, New World Order, which will then follow up in World War Hulk. You know, I, I just want, I hope this, I hope this story of She-Hulk ends up being fulfilling for Jen's arc here. I, I will say to Jamie's point about this being structured like television, it's also structured like a comic arc. Like there are countless superhero comics where if you're reading them month to month, you, you get through the issue and then you get to the last couple pages and it's like, here's a, here's a twist. Here's, here's like a reveal oh, yeah. of a villain or some sort of thing that completely usurps your expectations. I, I think that it is this thing of, we are so used to just the, the predictable format of a Marvel movie that like having it translate into a different medium, you get more of those kinds of moments, but they're not moments that we're used to seeing on screen. I do think I, I agree with so much of what BD said, but I do think She-Hulk almost feels like an outlier. It's not trying to bill itself as like this is monumental for the entire ramifications of the MCU. I think if anything, if leader does show up at the end of this, it'll just be a thing very comic accurately of just like I tried to get Jen's blood. I didn't necessarily succeed. Now I'm going to go focus on like the Captain America, Isaiah Bradley kind of blood. And that's the reason why I'm the villain of that movie. I don't see it as like this massive cascading big blue light in the sky kind of plan. I think it's really going to be that if leader and how the intelligentsia kind of factor into the rest of the season will be kind of focused on Jen's personal arc. Cause it's like, she still doesn't want to be a superhero. She really just wants to be a person who is like starting to accept the fact that she is she Hulk and it does have upsides and stuff. And so how do you juxtapose that with these villains who don't want her to have agency and want to take that away from her? I think that will be the conflict. And I think that will be super interesting in a way that like a lot of these other conflicts on the Disney plus shows weren't really able to get there. I also want to point out I'm watching Harley Quinn and it's excellent. Yay. Yes. Season one yet last night. It's so good. Flawless, flawless television right there. Fantastic show. Aaron, uh, yeah, you haven't weighed in on this yet. What do you think of this? Uh... I, I wonder if it's a collection of a bunch of things, because, you know, as people joke around about, I always try to zoom out on these things. And I think that part of it is that these are mostly debuts for these characters. Right. So we're always like for a lot of them, we're getting origin stories. And if there's an origin story, they don't have a villain off the rip. So you kind of have to build it up for like a repeat appearance. And I feel like that could be part of it as well. Also, I think there is a thing where me and Spencer Perry's favorite like in joke goofiness to do with each other is like, can't wait to go through a Disney plus show so they can get their costume for the next movie. And that's how a lot of these have functioned so far, you know, in, in real, in real talk. And I'm like, I, you can't really disagree with that, you know, um, 
it does feel like sort of like marketing arm stuff sometimes. But I would say that I, I have liked some of the stuff with building up the characters and everything. I will say the one of these that did feel like where why huh is uh in Hawkeye D'Onofrio could have easily been in it three episodes before where he was. The playing it, the slow playing it and trying to like tease everybody seemed kind of ridiculous at a certain point once we got to the end because I was like, I don't know how, or I guess narratively it does make sense for them not to know that that's what's going on in the beginning, but like also us at home, the second you saw the hand on her shoulder and his suit, you knew it was him. So what are we doing? Like, God bless uh, freaking, uh, what's my dude say from Watchmen, Jenna? What's his name? The guy that, that made the show? Damon Lindelof? Yeah. yeah. He's like, you can't outsmart the internet. So yeah. don't try, is what he did going into that series. And I really yeah. vibe with that because Reddit and Twitter and whatever <laughs> will figure out whatever it is in episode three. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. That, that's like, uh, like, I feel like they're not even trying to outsmart the internet. I kind of feel like they're trying to feed into like the internet figuring it out to drive the conversation because we all get so excited when there's a new character or an old character like Kingpin who we all love to see so much and then everybody get their hope and everybody else catches that fire spreads everywhere else and more people start watching and like in Loki I loved it I loved having Kang the Conqueror show up I loved Loki all the way through I think Kate Heron did a wonderful job directing Loki Tom Middleton and Sylvie and I, I, I loved Loki and I thought that was a great payoff and in WandaVision, I thought the Agatha twist was great. And the, the Scarlet Witch costume at the end of it was really cool. We all kind of predicted, well, she's not really going to get the Scarlet Witch costume till the end. And she did. And it was cool. But then, like, you know, in Hawkeye, I think, as you just said, it was like the, the most it has felt like, wait, why do we need this guy here? And I felt that way throughout. Like, each of these shows has taken a sharp left turn in one way or another. Twice, it has really worked for me. Most times, it has made me feel like I'm, I've gone somewhere else completely and lost track of the plot a little bit. I really did not. Maybe it's because I have no connection to really uh, Daredevil, but the, I liked the King Kingpin reveal because we do like because he, I think he's going to be such a bigger part of Echo. And it was um, his him showing up was less about the Hawkeye story and more about the future of Echo. And uh, I I I didn't mind the way that they teased into him. And and maybe it's because I wasn't like, I need D'Onofrio in my eyeballs. <laughs> so maybe it was like my, why I didn't mind that pacing at all. I also just like Hawkeye to me is, is truly flawless. I, I can't uh, help but love it. So, um, uh, so that, that one, like as the example of the one you, the, the, that didn't work for you at all, it totally worked for me. Like no part of me was hmm. like, felt if it did, it didn't work. So I don't know, but maybe it could just be because of my, neutral feelings about the daredevil characters yeah that's totally fair also i want to point out like i see a lot of people in like the replies to tweets on phase zero and stuff will say they love she hulk or they don't love she hulk i just want to say to all the people who don't engage with people who tell you your opinion is wrong like props to you like your opinion is right jamie i got respect for you you love you loved hawkeye great i liked hawkeye too i didn't love that twist yeah. of saving kingpin for the end i think he should have been there earlier I don't think you're wrong. It's an opinion, people. Yeah. And at Phase Zero, we're welcoming them. Please don't be mean to each other in the comments if you agree <laughs> or disagree. Whatever. Just, you can have a conversation without being a dick. So thank you all the this nice isn't, people. Uh, this isn't end of the world stuff, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, I, I mean, love that I Aaron's just vibing while the two of them are having this conversation. A little argument, a <laughs> little gentle disagreement. You know. I do also, uh, well, I, I go back to the movies. I think, you know, you talk about the Marvel formula and I love phase one and I love a lot of phase, like almost all of phase two. 
One thing you'll notice about if you watch most of those movies, I'm pretty sure this is true of every phase one movie and most phase two movies. I could be wrong. But most Marvel movies from phase one and two start with a scene that has nothing to do with the hero. It is the villain being born, basically. They all start with some kind of tease of a villain, right? And then you get credits and then you start with the, the hero. Maybe I'm overstating how often that happened, but I feel like that was pretty common. Common. You get yeah. tease of the villain and then jump over to the feel-good stuff with the hero, but it set like a tension naturally mm -hmm. throughout. And I haven't felt that tension, I think, in a lot of the Disney Plus shows because they haven't threaded it through that way. And that seems like just such an easy way to do it. Here's a tease, a completely out of place thing. Somebody's coming, here's a bad guy, and here's a good guy. And that was phase one and phase two for a lot of it. And in this, I don't really feel as much tension on the Disney Plus shows. That said, listen, Everybody sees my tweets every week. I'm entertained by the Disney Plus shows. I'm enjoying them. I'm still watching them. I, you know, I understand the people's frustration who are saying I'm dropping out. You know, it's becoming a, a like I feel like I have to watch them. I get it. I'm still enjoying them. I'm not nearly at that point yet, but I do want to feel a bit more, I guess, cohesiveness and a through line, and instead of kind of turns. Mm -hmm. I will say though, to your point about like the introducing the villain right away and She-Hulk and all of that, like the Titania dynamic is completely different. Like it is not a traditional kind of like big bad adversarial sort of relationship. I remember when the show was first announced, thinking in the back of my head, like what tragic backstory are they going to give Titania <laughs> that's going to justify her now wanting comeuppance on Jen? But it's like that's not comic accurate at all. They just have beef with each other. Like Jen just made fun of her nickname while they were fighting in Secret Wars and now they just anytime they see each other they just fight and make a mess and that and then like the, in the most recent she-hulk run they recognize that they do that and they literally form a fight club so they can like put aside their differences and just beef and just have a fight yeah so it's like so like the fact that they're harnessing that on the show of like we're gonna have titania randomly show up at the end of the premiere fight her for like 10 seconds and then by episode four and episode five we're really going to bake in like the animosity that they have that is kind of the example of how to do that phase one trope but do it in a way that like does feel comic accurate so yeah, i just doesn't I, have to be yeah yeah it doesn't have to be save the world stakes it could just be like me versus you yeah. let's duke it out yep and we gotta wrap I, up we're over on time here before we before we do i want jamie to get a chance to uh speak on <laughs> She wants to oh, go back to it. Yes. It's yes. such lower stakes compared to everything we just talked about. It's such a dumb <laughs> thing to end on. I just I feel like it. It, I just feel like Mr. Immortal, he's got all these spouses oh, like over all these years. Why would they were all like the same age? And I'm I'm like, he was married to it's one for time. 18 years. <laughs> I one for the same years. thing. They, like, yes. like, I just huh. feel like casting-wise, uh it, it, if this man has been alive for forever there sh there should have been like a really old man and like maybe like a like a in their like in their 20s like somebody like i just i was confused of the timeline because i believe he's been married a thousand times but i just wish that the casting had been a little more uh age diverse um and again i say oh why only one man uh i i, I, that, I like I, I can't get over that like i'm just ha i'm happy there's one um, I, I want my cake and eat it too. Give him an inch, take a mile. That's the Jamie Jirak way. But, um, but yeah, my, I was, I loved all that stuff so much. I love Nikki wrapping it all together, but I do think it's weird that all of the spouses were like around the same age. Uh, and that's a weird, like, that doesn't matter. It's what a dumb little yeah, thing. I should have just brought it up earlier. How are you married <laughs> to this person for 18 years and this person yeah. for three years? Like, all, like, mm -hmm. you know. But when he jumped out the window, I cackled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. So 
Mr. Immortal, what a life Mr. Immortal is living. Him and Abomination would have a lot to talk about. A lot of soulmates between them. Oh, yeah. but, uh, and also, I do. I just want to clarify. I'm, I'm loving Shield. I think Shield is super fun. Uh, and today's episode was. I mean, I think my favorite episode is either four or five. I actually don't even remember. But this episode is not my favorite, but I still liked it a lot. I thought it was really funny uh, and entertaining. I'm just worried about derailing this the story uh, with some sort of turn. Uh, anyway, it's okay to uh, have anyway. criticisms. Yeah, you have <laughs> that's to. A valid, that's yeah. so allowed. I think it'd be boring um, if all four of us every week was like, "It's perfect. Good night." <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what ha- that's what like a portion of the chat already thinks we do. So yes. <laughs> that's what everybody on Twitter already thinks. I, I said I said I thought Andor was kind of just okay. Like I criticized Andor and everybody's like, why don't you ever say bad things about Marvel? And I was like, well, <laughs> bro, okay. Do they I, not remember Eternals? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, I got dragged for Eternals, my yeah. goodness. Uh, also, I would like to say real quick that I saw people in the chat being like, Andor's better than She-Hulk. That is apples and oranges. You cannot really compare those two shows. That's nonsense. Yeah, I had somebody on Twitter comparing House of the Dragon and She-Hulk, and I'm like, wh- how are they, no. e- like, what do they have in common? They were filmed on cameras. Uh, but yeah, no. Are, are you guys, are you watching Andrew? Anybody watch those screens oh. Andrew yet? I have not yet, because I've been busy. Like, the screener email came in, and I was like, I don't have time to watch these episodes before the thing expires. But I'm excited this weekend to dive into it. Jamie, you liked it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I talked about I talked about Andor and Agents of Fandom uh, on the new episode. So uh, you, if you want to nice. hear all my thoughts on Andor, that's uh, I'm also loving House of the Dragon. Great stuff. I'm loving Harley Quinn. Thank you for putting me on that. Yeah. yeah all right, yeah. Uh, Jamie, you're on the big screen. Any last words for today's show? Oh, just you know, we can come back to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> Jenna? Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, follow me on Twitter at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn. Go read some comics. Go read some She-Hulk comics. Again, if you're loving the show, there are so many different eras of She-Hulk for you to dive into. Um, and yeah, stay tuned to the Phaser YouTube channel because my Easter egg video will be posting very soon. It is literally exporting as we've been having this conversation. So yeah. <laughs> And in just a few weeks, the Tatiana Maslany interview. I, 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 as soon as we log off, it's actually going to hit me and it's going to be like, <laughs> okay, cool. Awesome. I wish so. it was like an hour long. I'd watch you guys talk forever. When Jamie talked to uh, Elizabeth Olsen, I yes. was like, this is the best thing ever. Uh, Aaron, any last words for today's show? Uh, it's at Son of Lake Hornet on Twitter. And uh, I can't wait till they cast uh, Nick Cannon as Mr. Immortal's variant in Secret Wars. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Go subscribe to Jamie on Letterboxd. To Jamie, anything else for today's show? Yeah, Letterboxd. It's spooky season, you guys. I'm watching so much good horror stuff that I've never heard of. It's so much fun. Follow me to, to get some good recs for spooky season because it is the time. I'm so I love this time of year. I'm so stoked. Uh no, this is the last time you'll see my background here because I'm moving in with Tony. So enjoy this look because it's all about to change. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> all right that's our show everybody thank you so much for doing uh, uh, <laughs> please leave those five star reviews on apple and spotify we're going to go in read your questions if you drop them in with a five star review and send us all the way up the charts to the top of the so i don't know so we could take over the world 
Uh, hit me up at Brandon Davis BD if you have something nice to say. If you don't, just leave me alone. Thank you all. <laughs> we'll see. I won't be here next week, but everybody else will. So, uh, Jenna, it's in good hands. I think Jenna's going to produce next week's show. Awesome. Uh, they will see you there, and somebody will be in my place. Hopefully, it's not Jim. See you. <laughs> <laughs>